Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Wisdom on Wheels podcast. I am Steve Johnson, and it is good to be with you as always. We are going to be looking at Genesis chapter 45 today. Again, that's Genesis 45 we're going to be looking at for today's um, episode. And where is my phone? That's not good. I cannot find my phone anywhere. That's a bad sign. Uh, oh, there it is. Yes, okay. Oh, that was that was a bit of a... Oh, I wonder where my phone... Okay, I was looking for my phone so that I could pause... Not pause, but not turn the flashlight on either. I'm trying to turn the sound off. The do, I'm trying to turn on the do not disturb so that I can't be disturbed while recording this. Okay, there we go. Sorry for that interruption. Let's try this again, shall we? Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Wisdom on Wheels podcast. I am Steve Johnson, and it is good to be with you as always. Today, we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 45. Woohoo! And we're going to be reading out of the New King James Version. So, without any further ado, let us get started. says here that this is the chapter about when Joseph reveals himself to his brothers finally. Remember, leading up to this, uh, I won't go through the entire history again like I did a, a podcast or two ago where I basically retold the entire Joseph story. I won't do all that again. Joseph story, there's a famous American name. But anyway, that's not what this is about. Um, the story of Joseph. Okay, so he, I won't go through all that again, but let's just, uh, he's been hiding his identity from his brothers who sold him into slavery by speaking through an interpreter. Uh, he looks Egyptian. They haven't seen him in about 20 years. You know, uh, for all they know, he's still a slave. They have no idea that he's risen to what I like to call vice pharaoh, but basically the second in power of Egypt with only the only person more powerful in Egypt is pharaoh himself. And so but they've had several interactions with Joseph. They have no idea who he is. Um, and they're getting ready to find out. So here it says, Then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried out, Make everyone go out from me. So he couldn't, he's been hiding it all this time. He can't do it anymore. He's been very emotional every time they're around. And, you know, he hears their interactions. He hears the guilt that they feel over what happened to him. They're expecting, you know, the things that are happening to them are all part of God's judgment on them and the family because of what they did to Joseph. Now he's like, okay, send everybody out of here. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard it. Now I've heard, I've, it, um, well, I won't get into the different things I've heard about how Joseph made himself known to his brothers. I heard one pastor say that he revealed the circumcision, you know, because that was part of the covenant of Israel to be circumcised. And so that way he could prove who he said he was. And, you know, and that was sort of like his identifier. I don't know if that's true or not. I haven't studied that enough to know if there's any validity to that or if there's any other extra biblical accounts in other ancient Jewish literature that says that or not. Like I said, I heard one pastor say that. I don't know if that's true or not, but regardless, he revealed who he was. 
and he's weeping so loudly now that everyone, including, it said the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard it. So he's he can't control it anymore. He's overcome with emotion, and he's letting it all out. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? Now, they had said, his brothers had previously said that, you know, they were coming, that, their their father was alive, but I guess he wants to confirm it with them now that he's revealed who he is, or his father's at such an age that he doesn't know how much longer he's going to live, so he just wants to make sure that he's still living since the last time he saw them. But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. And Joseph said to his brother, brothers, please come near to me. So they came near. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. So he's saying, don't don't feel you've been carrying this guilt and this weight around on you for 20 years. You can let it go. And then he says, why? For God sent me here before you to preserve life. For these two years, the famine has been in the land, and there are still five years in which there will neither be plowing nor harvesting. So we're two years into the famine now, and already everybody's desperate for food. And he says, we've got another five years to go. God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you and the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Not near, 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 but a great deliverance, you know, where everybody would be delivered from the, from this famine that God had caused. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. This reminds me of a principle in the Bible about conditional and unconditional prophecies. You know, there's a, there are conditional prophecies in the Bible, such as if you eat the fruit of this tree, of the, if you eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. Genesis 2, 16 and 17. That's a conditional promise. If you don't eat the tree, if you don't eat the fruit of that tree, nothing's going to happen. But if you eat the fruit, then you're going to die. And then there's unconditional prophecies, such as God giving the land of Canaan to Abraham and his descendants, now known as Israel, forever, as an everlasting possession. That was in Genesis 12, 1 through, 7, uh, 1 through 7, and in Genesis chapter 17. That's an unconditional covenant, meaning it's, it's an unconditional promise, meaning regardless of what happens, regardless of the free will choices of people, the land of Israel belongs to the Jewish people and will forever, regardless of what they do, how they behave, or whatever. It's, that, that's how I look at this Joseph thing. Joseph is saying to his brothers here, regardless of what you guys did to me, like if, if his brothers weren't jealous and angry and bitter toward him, Joseph still would have ended up in Egypt. There still would have been a famine, and Joseph still would have been the one tasked with the management of the provision that God was going to provide for Egypt and the surrounding nations, including his own nation. But God 
was going to make sure that that happened regardless. And so he's saying here, and, and that part was unconditional, meaning it was going to happen regardless of what they did. Now, by their own free will, his brothers used you know, their anger and their jealousy and their bitterness and their hatred, and they sold him into slavery, and then God used that. See, God in his sovereignty, and God is sovereign, still uses our free will choices to bring about his sovereign plan. He doesn't violate our free will to bring about his sovereignty. He uses our free will to bring about his sovereign plan. So God used what the brothers did, but Joseph says, look, that's why I'm not holding a grudge against you guys. Because God is the one behind all this. God is the one behind the curtain. God is the one who sent me here to preserve life. So now it was not you that sent me here, but God, and he has made, a, he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. What a, what a statement that is. He's made me a father to Pharaoh. And he says, hurry, go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. And how, you know, can you imagine Jacob's reaction? He's thought his, for the last two decades, his whole life has been ruined. He thought Joseph was dead. Now Joseph is sending one back to him. Hey, go tell dad I'm still alive. I'm still here. Come down to me. Do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near to me, you and your children, your children's children, your flocks and herds, and all that you have. There I will provide for you, lest you and your household and all that you have come to poverty. For there's, there are still five years of famine. And behold, your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my mouth that speaks to you. So you shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and of all that you have seen. And you shall hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept on his neck. So Benjamin, he gets it. Moreover, he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. So it took all this. It took his emotional reaction. It took him kissing them and weeping with them. For them to, now they're talking with him. Now they get it. I wish that I could. And it's not that the Bible comes up short, but. I mean, we're reading the words on the page here, or in my case, on the screen, but to really take in the full, the full moment here of what's happening. I mean, this has got to be emotionally overwhelming. Verse 16, now the report of it was heard in Pharaoh's house saying, Joseph's brothers have come. So it pleased Pharaoh and his servants well. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, say to your brothers, do this, load your animals and depart, go to the land of Canaan, bring your father and your households and come to me. I will give you the best of the land of Egypt and you will eat the fat of the land. Now you are commanded, do this, Take coats out of the land of Egypt for your little ones and your wives. Bring your father and come. 
Also, do not be concerned about your goods, for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. So Pharaoh, th this is something too, because Pharaoh recognizes God's hand on Joseph, and he he honors him. He honors Joseph and says, bring your father you know this this is great news i mean this this is now the biggest news the, the biggest headlines in egypt you know uh, egyptian headline news is uh is proclaiming that joseph the second in command in egypt the vice pharaoh as i like to call him has revealed himself to his brothers i mean that's again this is this is a time of national celebration as well as should be. This is just, it's, it's great stuff here. Um, hold on. There's one thing I'm trying to look up here real quick to see if, okay, well, I won't get into that until the next chapter. All right. We'll get into that when we get into 46. Okay. Never mind. Um, So now we're down to verse 21. It says, Then the sons of Israel did so, and Joseph gave them carts according to the command of Pharaoh, and he gave them provisions for the journey he gave to all of them, to each man, changes of garments. But to Benjamin he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of garments. He's giving his brother from the same mother, Rachel, the, the most. And he sent to his father these things, ten donkeys loaded with the good things of Egypt, and ten female donkeys loaded with grain, bread, and food for his father for the journey. So he sent his brothers away, and they departed. And he said to them, See that you do not become troubled along the way. Then they went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to Jacob their father. And I love that they ran all this stuff with them, because... Obviously, it's well. It's it's pretty clear to me that Jacob is going to have a hard time believing this story. Hey, Dad, remember when we told you that your son must have been eaten by a wild animal? Well, you know, guess what? He's alive, and you know, I could see where Jacob would have a hard time believing this. But nonetheless, it is true. And um, so hang on. And Jacob's heart stood still. Uh, uh, hold on. And they told him, saying, Joseph is still alive, and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart stood still because he did not believe them. Just like, I mean, again, what would you expect? He thought his son was dead for 20 years. He didn't go, oh, that's wonderful news. Thank you for telling me. Of course, he's like, I can't believe what you're telling me. But when they told him all the words which Joseph had said to them, and then he saw the carts which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. Check out that verse. Let's stick on that for a minute. The spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. That means that for the entirety of the time since he thought his son Joseph was dead, his spirit was basically dead. I mean, he was, I mean, he was still living, but he was just existing. He wasn't living. He wasn't, this wasn't life for him anymore. His whole reason for living had 
perished with Joseph, or so he thought. And now, after 20, over 20 years now, and all of a sudden, just with that one sentence, with that one phrase, with that one statement, Joseph's spirit, or excuse me, Jacob's spirit is alive again. And if, if God can teach us anything out of this study, one of the things he can teach us is when things look hopeless, when you think that things are a certain way and they're never going to get any better and it's just that terrible, awful, whatever, and it can never get any better. If you think something is the case and it can't be changed, Jacob thinks his son is dead. You know, what what can be done about that? But now he knows otherwise. So when things look so bleak and hopeless, don't think that God is necessarily done just because of that. That's what I get from that. Or one of the things I get from that. Then Israel said, and that's the other name for Jacob, It is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. So J Jacob knows he's he doesn't have much time left on this earth. And he says, take me to my son, but I want to see him before I die. This is too This is too good to be true. This is what I've been waiting for my whole life, ever since he was gone. Now here he is. Take me to my son. I mean, that's the best news that he could have received in his entire life. And, and there it is. Now, Genesis 46 and 47, we're going to get into these two chapters. I'm going to try to get through the entire thing here. We will see if we can. Let me see what the study says here. Um, we might not be able to get through all that today. Hang on, let me see how many questions are here. Um, observe the chapters. Um the insights on Joseph's dealings with those who come to buy grain. Uh, the chapter themes. Okay, we might not be able to get into too much of this today, but I'll go. We'll go ahead and read the chapters, Genesis forty-six and forty-seven, and then we'll see how much time we have left here. Um, depending on how much time we have, we might get into some of this, or we might wait until tomorrow. Um, but here we go. So Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. Then God spoke to Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here I am. So he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt, for I will make of you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also surely bring you up again. And Joseph will put his hand on your eyes, 
Then Jacob arose from Beersheba, and the sons of Israel carried their father Jacob, their little ones, and their wives in the carts, which Pharaoh had sent to carry him. So they took their livestock and their goods, which they had acquired in the land of Canaan, and went to Egypt, Jacob and all his descendants with him. His sons and his sons' sons, his daughters and his sons' daughters, and all his descendants he brought with him to Egypt. So the entire nation basically is going with him to Egypt. Now these were the names of the children of Israel, Jacob and his sons who went to Egypt. Reuben was Jacob's firstborn. The sons of Reuben were Hanak, Palu, Hezron, and Carmi. The sons of Simeon were Jamul, Jamin, Ohad, Jachin, Zohar, and Shaul, the son of a Canaanite woman. The sons of Levi were Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. The sons of Judah were Ur. You gotta love that name. Ur. What's your name, son? My name is Ur. Onan, Shelah, Perez, and Zerah. But Ur and Onan died in the land of Canaan. You'll remember that if you've been with me through other parts of the Genesis study. The sons of Perez were Hezron and Hamul. The sons of Issachar were Tola, Puvad. Looks like a Job here. And I wonder if that's the same Job from... I, I don't know. I don't know if it's the same Job or not, but that's interesting. And Shimron. The sons of Zebulun were Sered, Elon, and Jalil. These were the sons of Leah, whom she bore to Jacob, to, to Padan Aram, with his daughter Dinah. All the persons, his sons and his daughters, were thirty-three. The sons of Gad were Ziphion, Hagi, Shuni, Esbon. I'm probably butchering these names. Eri, E-R-I, Arodai, and Arali. The sons of Asher were Jimna, Ishua, Isui. Bariah and Sarah, their sister, and their sons were Bariah, and the sons of Bariah were Heber and Malkiel. These were the sons of Zilpah, whom Laban gave to Leah his daughter, and these she bore to Jacob, sixteen persons. The sons of Rachel, Jacob's wife, were Joseph and Benjamin, and to Joseph in the land of Egypt were born Manasseh and Ephraim, whom Ashenath, the daughter of Potiphar, Pura, priest of On, bore to him. I don't. I probably butchered that name too. The sons of Benjamin were Bilah, Becher, Ashbel, Gira, Naman, Ehi, Rosh, Mupim, Hupim, and Ard. I love those names too. Mupim and Upim. I love that. These were the sons of Rachel who were born to Jacob. Fourteen persons in all. The son of Dan was Hushim. The sons of Naphtali were. Jazil, Guni, G-U-N-I, Jezer, and Shilam. These were the sons of Bilhah, whom Laban gave to Rachel, his daughter. And she bore these to Jacob, seven persons in all. All the persons who went with Jacob to Egypt, who came from his body, besides Jacob's sons' wives, were 66 persons in all. And the sons of Joseph, who were born to him in Egypt, were two persons. All the persons of the house of Jacob went, who went to Egypt were 70. Then he sent Judah before him to Joseph to point out before him the way to Goshen, and they came to the land of Goshen. So Joseph made ready his chariot and went up to Goshen to meet his father Israel, and he presented himself to him and fell on his neck and wept on his neck for a good while. Can you imagine that reunion?
hand. Can you imagine that reunion? And Israel said to Joseph, Now let me die, since I have seen your face, because you're still alive. So now he's ready to die. His, his one wish in life that what happened to Joseph didn't happen has turned out to be true. Joseph's still alive. And Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and tell Pharaoh and say to him, My brothers and those of my father's house who were in the land of Canaan have come to me. And the men are shepherds, for their, for their occupation has been to feed livestock. And they have brought their flocks, their herds, and all that they have. So it shall be when Pharaoh calls you and says, What is your occupation? That you shall say, Your servant's occupation has been with livestock from our youth, even until now both we and also our fathers, that you may dwell in the land of Goshen. For every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. So they apparently had a land set aside for them. And he just, he wants, you know, he doesn't want Jacob to go in there and be an all Mr. Deceiver. Oh, what do I do? Well, let me tell you a funny story. You know, just be up front. Be, you know, you're a shepherd. A shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. But Joseph is honored in all of Egypt, and his family is being honored in all of Egypt. So these are definitely exceptions to the rule. Now, Genesis 47, do we have time? Okay, i got about four and a half minutes left. How many verses are we looking at here? 31 verses. Okay, we're going to see if we can do this. I don't know. Um, you know what? That might be rushing it. Uh, we'll see. Here, um, yeah, we'll go ahead and read this. Then Joseph went and told Pharaoh as Galaxy knocks my phone off the thing here. Thank you, Galaxy. And said, my father and my brothers, their flocks and their herds and all that they possess have come from the land of Canaan. And indeed, they are in the land of Goshen. And he took five men from among his brothers and presented them to Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to his brothers, what is your occupation? And they said to Pharaoh, your servants are shepherds, both we and also our fathers. And they said to Pharaoh, we have come to dwell in the land, because your servants have no pasture for their flocks. For the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. Now therefore, please let your servants dwell in the land of Goshen. Then Pharaoh spoke to Joseph, saying, your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Have your father and brothers dwell in the best of the land. Remember, shepherds are an abomination to the Egyptians. And Pharaoh saying, Give them the best that we have. Let them dwell in the land of Goshen. And if you know any competent men among them, then make them chief herdsmen over my livestock. Then Joseph brought in his father Jacob and set him before Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Check that out. Jacob is blessing. At that time, what was probably the most powerful man on earth. And Jacob is blessing him. Pharaoh said to Jacob, how old are you? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, the days of my years of, my, of the years of my pilgrimage are over 130. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life, and they have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their pilgrimage. So Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from before him. In other words, he's saying, I'm 130 years old, but if you think that's old, I got some people in my ancestry that lived much longer than this. And Joseph situated his father and his brothers, and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had commanded. Then Joseph provided his father 
his brothers and all his father's household with bread according to the number in their families. Let's see. I got two minutes here. Can I get through 18 verses in that much time? I think we can. Now there was no bread in all the land for the famine was very severe so that the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished because of the famine. And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for the grain which they brought, bought. And Joseph bought the money and brought the money into Pharaoh's house. So when the money failed in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, give us bread for why should we die in your presence for the money has failed. So they've had a complete economic crash. Then Joseph said, give your livestock and I will give you bread for your livestock if the money is gone. So they brought all their livestock to Joseph and Joseph gave them bread in exchange for the horses, the flocks, the cattle, the herds, and for the donkeys. Thus he fed them with bread in exchange for all their livestock that year. When that year had ended, they came the next year and said, we will not hide from my Lord that our money is gone. My Lord also has our herds of livestock. There is nothing left in left in the sight of our Lord by our bodies and our lands. Why should we die before your eyes, before we and our land? Buy us and our land for bread, and, and we and our land will be servants of Pharaoh. Give us seed that we may live and not die, that the land may not be desolate. Okay, so we'll have to stop there because we won't be able to finish the chapter. Tomorrow we will finish the rest of the chapter, and then we will discuss it in detail in a much less hurried pace than we studied this. Um, but so basically as of now, all the land government owns everything in Egypt, including the people. Okay. This is Steve Johnson for the wisdom on wheels podcast. I'll see you tomorrow. God bless and have a great day.